It takes more than an already failed New Year's resolution to not read Twitter to be a great <laughs> software engineer. This is episode 91 of the Soft Skills Engineering Podcast. I'm your host, Jameson Dance. I'm your host, Dave Smith. Didn't last long. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing okay with the rest of my resolutions, oh, but that one you. did not last. <laughs> soft Skills Engineering is a podcast where we answer all of your non-technical questions about the technical field of software development. Yes, and this week we'd like to spend uh, extend a special thank you to two of our new patrons, Dustin Coates and David Steinkopf, who have both pledged support on Patreon.com for our podcast. We very much appreciate you. Thank if you like, so much. Yeah, thank you. If you'd like to join them in supporting the podcast so that we can pay an editor, equipment, and things like that, you can find us on Patreon.com slash SoftSkillsENG, or just go to our website, SoftSkills.audio, where you can click support us. So thank you very much, and please consider supporting. Yeah, if we get enough support, we can actually pay someone to do the makeup for the show, which will not affect the audio quality at all, but will just help Dave and I look I, radiant as we go about our day. It, it might affect the audio quality. I mean, I sound better when I look better. Yeah, that's true. It affects you psychologically. Mm -hmm. um, I will read our first question. This is from a listener named Thomas. How often do candidates get hired who don't match the requirements listed in a job? Is it a waste of time for me to apply to all the jobs I come across, even though I only have about a third of what they want? Job postings always seem like they're written for mythical people. Yep. <laughs> they sure do. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Thomas is taking them all literally when they say unicorn and rock star and wizard and like, I can't do any magic spells. <laughs> I'll never make it at Amazon, Google google flicks goog face flicks <laughs> yeah <laughs> i can only turn small rocks into gold <laughs> nobody cares about that we're looking for a rock star ninja wizard with a really long beard my sword has not tasted blood yet so i cannot call myself a real ninja i am but a trainee <laughs> <laughs> i'm only a fourth degree black belt <laughs> yeah there are a lot of metaphors being bandied about in these job descriptions these days actually i, I feel like they've calmed down a little bit in the last few there's, years there's probably like a tale i i think the the air quotes cool people realize that it makes them look really dumb but there's a long <laughs> tale of there's a long tail of people who are like, you know, it'd be great if we spiced it up a little bit. <laughs> yeah. What are the kids into these days? Pirates? Maybe pirates. Yeah, I was thinking pirates also. <laughs> yeah. What are the kids into? <laughs> we need a code buccaneer. <laughs> we need someone to pillage our code base. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I can do it. <laughs> pillage our code base with quality maintainable <laughs> code we need someone to fire quality into our code base from their pirate cannons <laughs> oh man the metaphors here are endless we need someone to make the bugs walk the plank <laughs> i'm pretty sure you could okay you could you could overflow back to cool again if you made it dumb enough <laughs> <laughs> oh wow that's true Dang. It, it would be intentionally dumb and then it's cool. That's a, a whole different genre of cool. I think most job requirements describe the perfect candidate to the person who is writing the job description, mm -hmm. not necessarily the candidate who will end up getting the job. Definitely. Because that candidate does not exist. <laughs> yeah, usually. Yeah. It's like, 
we want to pay them this, but also we want them to have the skills of someone who makes 10 this. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I feel like a lot of times the job description skills, how do I put it? Is it like they're aspirational? Well, they're definitely aspirational, but it's, it's even like they're aspirational in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. Like once you get into the work, you look back at the list of skills in the job. And, and I feel like they're often very aspirational technically mm-hmm. and very uh, underwhelming in every other part of the job. And they either don't list it at all or, or pay just kind of a little token to like. And also you'll need to talk to people to do this job. So maybe you should be okay at talking to people <laughs> when that's most of the job. And if someone was a, was a, was a Swift programmer with 15 years of experience it, it wouldn't help them that much because they need to talk to people a lot mm-hmm. or they need to work with designers or they need to mentor junior developers or I don't know. There's, there's just a bunch of stuff that is your job that gets left off of those aspirational job descriptions that focus a lot on buzzwords and technical skills, I feel like. Look, if this candidate can make bugs walk the plank, then <laughs> surely this candidate will be able to talk to designers and mentor junior developers. That's I mean, true. Those there are is like kind of a hierarchy. Stones, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's the final. It's not a career ladder. It's a career rigging <laughs> that you climb. With a crow's nest at the top. Yes. <laughs> that's the CTO's crow's nest. The, the yeah. C in CTO stands for crow. Okay. The crow technical officer. <laughs> Crows are pretty smart birds. Oh. So I start a new job in a couple days and I never saw a job posting until after I accepted the job. Mm-hmm. And it was like, okay, go apply in our system. And and the job posting did not sound at all like what I just interviewed for and, and accepted. Yeah. So I, I think that. this is pretty common. Except the only difference between you and Thomas, the one asking this question is you, Thomas actually bothered reading the job description before <laughs> applying. <laughs> no, I, I, so I read them when I apply. Well, I just before usually take them with a Wait grain a of salt. So you interviewed first and applied second? I, I got recruited. So someone was like, hey, you should come talk to us. And then I mm-hmm. talked to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I did apply to a lot of jobs. And I read their job descriptions very carefully. I think I think job descriptions usually... I, I, I read them to get a feel for the experience level that they are looking for. Mm, yeah. But all the rest of it is pretty fungible, I have found. Yes. On both sides, when hiring or when applying. My experience with the write-ups themselves is that usually the people who write and publish these job descriptions are pretty disconnected from the people doing the hiring decisions and even more disconnected from the actual work that happens day to day. Like it's usually a recruiter or an HR person who writes these job descriptions and they'll, they'll get sign off from some engineering person at some point like four years ago and then they'll just yeah, keep yeah. using the same boilerplate yeah know, exactly for the next they'll five update years. the numbers of experience well it's been six years since swift has been out so better change that no i seven, don't two and eight I, I think you're giving them way too much credit i don't i don't think they would even know what swift is or let alone when it was released yeah know? that's true um so like and every time even, i've read even, one of these even at my own company i've been like wow this is like not what we do um so I wouldn't worry too much about them. <laughs> so I've been intimately involved in writing job descriptions and then I go and do other work for two years and, and it never changes. So yep. I know what you mean. I've, I've spent a lot of time and been very careful to make it reflect the work that we do and the kind of people we're looking for. And then I move on and then it, it slowly drifts from reality. Mm-hmm. 
because no yeah. one updates it. So even if they're made with great care, it's, it's pretty common. And another thing is everyone has different, like you said, the people that write it aren't the people hiring necessarily. Mm-hmm. So everyone has different criteria for what they're looking for. And even if you put like self-starter, everyone has a different idea of what that means. A I lot need of it is seven years of self-starting experience. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I've been alive for 30 years, so <laughs> I'm super qualified. Yeah, so so I read them to get a feel for what technologies they use. I also read them to get a feel for what experience level they're looking for. But I feel like a lot of the other things are, are they're willing to trade. Uh, and I had that experience in the job I'm about to start, too. It wasn't in the job description, but I talked to my... Uh, to my my new boss as part of the interview process and express some concern about some of the responsibilities were things I hadn't done before. Mm -hmm. And he said, the perfect candidate would be an expert at all these things and they probably don't exist. So we're willing to trade them off. You're good at these other things so you can pick up these skills that you don't have yet. And I think that's pretty common. If if, If someone seems like a good fit and a good developer and doesn't check all the boxes it's pretty easy to say well that's that'll still work for us yeah i think so too that's definitely been my experience a few years ago at a at a company i used to work for i took a shot at writing a job description that would be able to stand the test of time where even if we changed languages or frameworks or tools the description would still work because i i I basically realized i never want to hire an engineer who happens to have the right list of specific skills that we use today you know like the skills we use today will not be the skills we use in a year or two or that we need and so rather than saying like i need three years of swift experience i I said i want you to have experience developing software with at least two different languages you know and i don't care what languages those are i just want to see you know multiple languages like that for this particular job level you know and and i found that to be pretty effective way to signal to people um look i'm not looking for swift i'm not looking for c sharp or whatever i'm looking for polyglot experience with multiple languages yeah i can't find the source of it but i remember it so it must be true i think someone tweeted once that they looked at their job descriptions and then looked at the current team that they were on that that job description (laughs) was for and (laughs) realized that no one on the team would meet the requirements in the job description (laughs) even though they all worked there and did great work yep so it's i think it's pretty widely recognized to be kind of like a there's there's some degree of hoop jumping here oh yeah for sure which is great for you because you can you can be aspirational. You can apply mm-hmm. to things that you don't think you're necessarily 100% qualified for. You should be a little qualified though. Uh, I definitely see a lot of candidates when I'm when I'm interviewing people that are not even close to, to qualified. And and I mean I'm not a jerk about it, but they just don't move on. But mm. people that are that have kind of the right or close to the right level of experience and some related. Uh, technical skills are, usually go forward even if they don't meet all of the requirements in the job posting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. I, I think, like you said before, looking at the years of experience that's required is a gauge, I think, of um, whether you're in the band, you know. But outside of that, like no single item on the bullet list is usually a disqualifier. Yeah. 
even, I mean, you'll see those job descriptions that say, here are the things we need, and then it'll be separated into here are things that would be nice to have. Right, even those are and not Even nice. those. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. Why do we do this to ourselves? So, I mean, it's it's just such a broken system because it's like, here's all the things we need. Here's all the things we want. It turns out the things we need are all totally negotiable. <laughs> and Yeah. And, and by the way, the person who's doing the hiring has never even seen this list. So, <laughs> like, and also I think it, the way that many companies write job descriptions is it puts all the onus on the candidate to be amazing. And very few companies take the time to say, here's why we are an amazing company for you to choose to work for. And given the the current labor market in the software industry, it seems like it should be more like that. Yeah. I I have seen some that do a pretty good job with that. Have you? I have. And some of them come off a little arrogant and rub me the wrong way. Hmm. I think that's hard to do well also because the temptation is to say like, look at how big our numbers are. Uh, look at how much <laughs> money we've raised. Look at how many employees we have and just do a lot of chest pounding. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't know. That just doesn't appeal to me personally. I guess that would appeal to other people though. Like me. Um, and some of I'm them, a, yeah, like Dave. I like chest Dave pounding. Dave likes a good chest pounding. <laughs> I think some of them too. I mean, if you're applying to like Microsoft, hopefully you know why like they're a big company with smart people and or or any of the giant tech companies. Do I guess I don't read their job descriptions. Do they sell very hard in there? I don't know. I think I don't know. I've never, <laughs> like I, like you said, I just kind of stopped reading job descriptions. <laughs> yeah. I know recruiters sell. But yeah. I don't know if job descriptions do. Yeah. I think this just comes down to the difficulties in hiring too, that it's such a vague process that a job description that is true would be like, we need someone to do good work. We don't know what that (laughs) means or looks like. Can you show us? In 20 minutes in an interview? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Please help. (laughs) I I think it would just be really vague to the point of uselessness. Help wanted. So they're trying to narrow it down somehow. <laughs> Help wanted. We don't know how to interview or find people we want. We don't yeah. even know what we need. <laughs> Are you good? We'll <laughs> find out. Maybe, but maybe we won't find out. <laughs> oh, I remember what I was going to say. Yeah, you you said a lot of them focus on these list of skills. Um, I, I think a better process and th- a thing you could put in the job posting is we want to find out what you are the best at and see how that lines mm. up with what we need. And that's uh, my friend Trek works at a company that says that's their interview process. They they kind of do it differently for each candidate to try and identify what they're strongest at. Okay. And it's not necessarily, do you know these lists of this list of gotcha questions, but like yeah. find out what they're good at, explore how good they are at that and then decide if that's a thing you need or not. Do you know think, this Python trivia? Because if you do... Yeah, exactly. Then clearly you'll know how to build usable software. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but again, that's that's very vague. You can't really write mm-hmm. that down as a concrete list of skills in the job description. So, Yeah, I think, again, that goes to try to convince... In your job description, try to convince candidates to apply and then try to have a method for bringing out... I mean, now we're getting into interviewing, but... Yeah, we've switched... Um, 
sorry thomas yeah we helped you <laughs> apply to all of them because yeah. they're all very vague <laughs> yep and they're fungible and you have stumbled across upon a great truth of the software job process which is that basically job requirements don't really mean much and yes you should probably go ahead and apply anyway <laughs> this is a well no i'm not gonna say that never mind have we answered the question i think so all right good luck thomas all right. Would you like to read our next question, Dave? I would. This question comes from another person named Thomas, who says, Hi, first of all, I love the show and always look forward to new episodes. Thanks, Thomas. I am a junior software engineer in Europe. A few weeks ago, I was put into a newly formed team where my scrum master is my former development mentor and my good friend. I suspect the team consists of people nobody really wants to work with since the other scrum masters repeatedly complained about every one of them. <laughs> oh, oh no. I hope I was placed here because of me being mentored by my scrum master friend, but I'm worried. Asking for a team change is out of the question, sadly, and I can't really ask if we are being made into a freak show. <laughs> what are my options in a situation like this? <laughs> okay, good news. You have a rich tapestry of children's sports movies to drop on here about misfit teams rising to success. Mighty Ducks, Bad News Bears, Remember the Titans, Miracle, Little Giants. Those are just the ones off the top of my head, but there are probably more. Always this ragtag group comes yep. together. Usually there's like a rich, well-funded opposing team that they have to defeat, and uh, and they do. So you can do it. You just need to find like the unique quirks and, and they all have to work together perfectly. So set aside about 10 hours this weekend to watch these movies. <laughs> yeah, do some study. <laughs> I remember Little Giants has a scene where they need to intimidate the opposing team. It's a football movie. And the opposing team is much bigger than they are. So all the kids on the offensive line take Alka-Seltzer or, or like anti acid tablets or whatever okay. they put them in their mouth and they just start foaming at the mouth and they say intimidation <laughs> and then they uh they score the touchdown that works on software teams as well yeah so yeah you have to do weird stuff to intimidate the other teams <laughs> and if they ever so wondered if you were the freak more show, points you're gonna put all those questions to rest yeah you just but you then you just say scoreboard whenever they complain <laughs> scoreboard that means look at the scoreboard because we are winning <laughs> that's true why not just like really lean into the freak show thing <laughs> come to work in leather cat suits <laughs> you want a freak show you got it yeah the dress codes are remarkably flexible in software but not enough people explore them in the freak show way <laughs> why do you know that all the other scrum masters complained about everyone on your team that seems weird to me oh man this guy has next level soft skills He's figured out a way to like well get these scrum i mean masters. it just it, it just sounds like they're all gossiping about people on the team which oh, is I w okay i was thinking maybe he was a confidant like oh okay yeah well that's true maybe you are in with all the scrum masters but i think it's more likely that they just complain a lot in front of other people about mm. people on their team which stinks yep shouldn't do that don't do that. But if they do, you know what to do with the Alka-Seltzer. <laughs> You're just standing at the water cooler and you start to foam at the mouth casually. <laughs> oh, tell, no way. What an interesting story. <laughs> <laughs> 
That would be a good way to get out of boring stories that people tell about like their weekends. Or... <laughs> just casually have them in your pocket and just casually slip a hand in there. with the mouth. Yeah. <laughs> and then pop. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, your I'm going to go back to my desk Fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> Huh. Yeah, I, I like what you said about leaning into the freak show thing. That sounds great. <laughs> I actually worked with a, a guy who was hilarious. Um, I can't remember his name. <laughs> oh, dang it. I, sh- I probably shouldn't say his name anyway. Um, okay. <laughs> he was so funny. Um, just a real crack up. And uh, he got put on this team that was doing job a job uh, that I, I didn't quite... I guess it was kind of a ragtag group with not a super well-defined charter. And he adopted the team name Island of Misfit Toys from <laughs> <laughs> from the claymation Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer movie. Yeah. And uh, it was really funny. Like, it got it got some traction. He's like, <laughs> they were like, we don't know what we do, why we're doing it, or what our charter is. We're the Island of Misfit Toys. No one belongs here. So he leaned into it. <laughs> yeah, that started as a joke. But the more you talk about it, the more I think it's a good idea. Because... A really easy way to unite teams is to have a shared culture. And mm. you, I mean, being a little more serious, you don't want to make it this us versus them adversarial thing because that can be a little dysfunctional. But but some amount of like, no one believes in us, but we can do it even though we're weird and quirky. Okay. That, I, I think that could bring a team together in the right context. Yeah. Another thing i have learned is that people often perform to expectations mm-hmm. and if you expect them all to be screw-ups that can't do their job right um that'll leak out that's a hard expectation to hold and keep internal to yourself and not have it reflect back to them some ways uh, i mean people people know if you think they're all idiots i don't think anyone is good enough at thinking someone's an idiot to have no one know <laughs> <laughs> Challenge that's, accepted. That's a very advanced soft <laughs> skill. <laughs> so uh, I think you'd want to be careful here about not complaining right back to all the other scrum masters about how horrible your team is and how dumb everyone is and how much of a freak show they are. Because that'll that'll make it back. I mean, it made mm-hmm. it to you when they complained yep. about your teammates. So yep. that, that would destroy trust and an important part of being on and forming a team is is trust within the team. For sure. At least you have a friend on the team, right? Yeah, that's, that's actually really good news for you, I think. Um, uh, you got this friend you can trust, I guess, um, who's been a mentor to you. and um, maybe, maybe you could raise this concern with him and say, hey, why was I put on this team? You know, what can we do to make the best of it? And uh, how do we go from here? And collaborate. And you said you can't really ask if we are being made into a freak show, but you could ask your friend in confidence <laughs> if you're being made into a freak show. <laughs> yeah, I think you, you do have one built-in ally. And it's hard to know exactly what the team is like from the description. If if it really is just all the people that we can't fire, but that we hate and would like to fire if we could, I oh, could man. see that as being hard to make work. But even then, there's still you could still get better work out of this team than with, with positive thinking and trust and, and, and not, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know the rest of that sentence. Um, th- <laughs> then you would get by just saying everything sucks and everyone on your team is a moron. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And this is actually something I really struggle with. So I'm kind of coming, not coming up with some great advice here because I, I think in this situation, I would really try to change teams. I'm not saying that I recommend you do that. And, and since Thomas clearly said he can't, but um, I just wanted to empathize a little with you because I would feel really, I think, scared and uneasy in this kind of a situation. Like, why am I here? What's going on? You know? Yeah. Uh, I, I guess I just worry a lot about what people think about me. <laughs> and maybe that's not great either, but... I think you're great. I don't worry what you think about me, Jameson. Okay. <laughs> I worry about what real people think about me. <laughs> people that matter. By the way, you're doing yeah, a really I, good job at that thinking I'm an idiot but not letting me know thing. <laughs> Thank you. That's one of my skills. <laughs> I haven't been on like a freak show team like you say but i have been on teams that i think are the the less cool team there's definitely been a cool team and and a less cool team and when i first got put onto that team i felt a little sad because i would look over at like the cool kids at the cool kid lunch table and i don't know <laughs> they just always look like they're having so much fun but throwing their heads back and laughing yeah yeah laughing and and typing on each other's keyboards <laughs> in a show of camaraderie and but it wasn't it, it was great i guess that was the summary i i was worried it was going to be kind of the the misfit team and it wasn't at all there were talented people they they didn't know each other as well, and the stuff they were working on was um, less uh, visibly cool, but mm-hmm. it was actually way more important to the company. Mm-hmm. So I, I found things to really enjoy about that team, um, and and we did kind of pull together as like the how do I put it? We we were like the backbone of the company, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was some some culture that grew up around that. I, I I do think some of that is a joke, but you do have an opportunity to create a unique culture on that team that that uses the quirks for positive reasons or for positive outcomes. If it is really a disaster, it's just horrible. Everyone on your team except your mentor is bad. Uh, you will learn a lot <laughs> from that you experience. Know, that is a really good outlook. Yeah. Consider yourself like an embedded reporter, you know, on the front lines of of some great calamity. <laughs> and it's your job yeah. to record, document, and remember what's going on. Yeah, and and not just you don't want to just remember it and say, "Boy, that sucks." But I mean, this is an opportunity to think: if I had more control, what could mm-hmm. I do to fix this? Mm-hmm. Or if yep. I see someone like this person in the future, what would motivate them to work better? Or how would I get along better with this person who I just really don't get along yeah. with? Or e- even if it's just so messed up that there's no saving it right now, it can still help you in future situations. Yeah, totally. That's that's always the silver lining, I think, on any bad situation at work is as as thin as the silver lining may be, <laughs> you can always say, what am I going to learn from this for next time? You'll get some good stories out of it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. All right. Is the question been answered? I think it's been answered. Yeah. Good luck. Totally. And uh, you can order Alka-Seltzer on Amazon, I think. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Well, where can people go if they want to get their own questions answered, Jameson? They can go to softskills.audio. That is our website. And on there, it has a a button for asking a question. Uh, You can also ask us on Twitter. We don't get as many of those anymore, but we still check our DMs, check our our notifications. So Mm -hmm. if you want to share it that way, if you enjoy the show, 
please, please share it with other people too. Just tweet about it, tell other people about it. We would really enjoy your support that way. Thank you so much. Thanks, everyone.